with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to say a big thanks to our title sponsor of the big show. That is Big O, Big O Tires. Save up to $190 off Michelin tires with financing options available only at your locally owned and operated Big O Tires, the team you trust. If you were slipping around out there today, uh, tires might be your issue. Look into a new pair from uh, Big O Tires. We're going to talk to Coach Gordy Chiesa coming up here momentarily. Jazz have the Clippers tonight at 8 o'clock. Pre-game coverage will begin at 7. Tim Lacombe will be along for the ride, and we'll get you through pre, half, and post. Game one of two consecutive games against the Clippers. I don't like it when, uh, Gordon, uh, people say back-to-back because that implies something else. But two games in a row against the Clippers. Yeah, and so this this will be interesting to see how it, it plays out. But almost every game that Jazz play these days is interesting. In one way or another. In a way, it's kind of not, though, because they've been smoking all these teams. Yeah, I guess, <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, that's true. But uh, for Jazz fans, I imagine it's uh, intensely interesting. Sure. But, I, you know, I heard DJ and PK waving around this stat today. That in this run, they're beating teams by 17 points. Yeah. They've had one, uh, as far as their wins go, of course, I know they lost to Denver, but they've had one win in single digits. And that was Indiana, and it was by nine. Okay, well, that just shows the level at which the Jazz are playing. I thought that Philly game was going to be somewhat close at the end, but it, you're right, they stretched it out. All right, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, uh, former Jazz assistant coach, of course, longtime NBA coach and our coach, Gordy Chiesa with us here on the big show. Hi, coach. Guys, how's it going? Going terrific. How about, how about yourself? How'd you do with all that snow? Oh, you're exactly right. It snowed up here. I live in the mountains. It snowed all day long, and uh, it's fun, but it's not fun if you get my drift. <laughs> drift. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's where it is. Drift. They had the canyons closed there for a minute, right? You very much. Yeah. Yeah. Little little cottonwood was closed. Yes. Yeah. Those avalanches are no joke. No, it's not. It's serious. And uh, hey, God bless everybody that uh, goes uh, goes in the back country. Just be careful. So, yeah. Coach, uh, we were just talking about this. Pretty amazing in this uh, in this Jazz streak. They're beating teams by an average of 17 points. What does it say? Not just the winning, but the uh, I mean, they're winning by a lot, Coach. Yeah, both sides of the ball. So it all starts on defense, and the Jazz really had that active. They play hard defensively. There's physicality with that overfouling. Rudy Gobert is absolutely impactful defensive player as far as protecting the, the painted area. And just generally speaking, they out their multiple efforts offensively. The power of three-point shooting, Gordon and Jake, where they make those rainbow threes off a swing-swing pass, and, and the world is almost like perfect as far as uh, the court. And that's what the Jazz are winning. And most of all, Unlike previous years, it's all part of the building blocks of team success is that when they get a team down by five, six, or seven, they keep going for the juggler, and they knock them out with a knockout punch. And that's been so uh, um, visual as far as the Jazz pulling away. Stamina, conditioning, and just generally speaking, t- uh, tremendous, um, really, uh, unity as far as both sides of the ball. 
So, Gordon, you've been a student of the game for a long, long time. For 48 uh, years. I mean, it's is it, uh, so this is a weird question. It's in hindsight, I get that. But how come nobody back in the day, way back in the day, ever figured out to use the three-point shot the way it's being used now? Very much is that um, coaches are really were hesitant. Again, the first year of the three-point shot for the listeners was 1979-80. But up until that point, it, uh, for the ne- it, t- it took about 20 years for three-point shooting to come really into vogue. Now, the last 10 years, every team does, and if you don't shoot threes uh, as far as a whole bunch of them, but also with accuracy, you have uh, chances of winning are dramatically lesser. So the coaches were way too late to the party. The new wave coaches, being Quinn Snyder, who's, all, who's now coaching in the All-Star game, so, so congrats, is that they embraced the three-point shooting. Now, you shoot much better when there's player and ball movement, and that's what makes the, the, the better teams that shoot threes, meaning the Jazz and the Jazz opponent tonight, the Clippers, who are first in the NBA in three-point shooting accuracy, those guys move the ball before they take shots. So, Coach, I want to ask you, and I, I hope I word this correctly that you understand, but uh, you, so Ben Simmons has 42 against the Jazz, right? The Jazz still win by 11. The post-game comments from Ben Simmons specifically, and Duck Rivers too to a certain extent, you would have thought, Coach, that they won the game. I mean, he he talked about his individual achievements and uh, even talked about like turning the corner and these sorts of things and, and being, uh, as opposed to the team. What is that? I mean, if you're a coach and, and after a loss you hear one of his, your players really propping up their own statistical performance, what goes through your mind? I don't like it at all. I, I heard the same comments and uh, – that's, single, that's taking one player, what he, he played well offensively, but it takes away from the other people. I thought Tobias Harris played a terrific game. That's what I thought. And I thought that uh, uh, Tybo, the good defensive player, was out there being active. So looking from, from afar, but as an insider, I would have praised the other guys also, not the guy that scored the most points. And that's what makes the Jazz so interesting, because Jordan Clarkson was going bonkers during the game, but all his teammates were talking about um, uh, how they encouraged him to shoot, and then Quinn Snyder made a point about it. It's all the other guys where they, they move the ball to let that player, who's got an unbelievable hot hand, to take those shots. So it's how you view the, how you view the uh, basketball uh, gods by your teammates, and your teammates really are your floor mates, Jake. Gordy, will you break down the relationship between the Jazz's successful three-point shooting and the presence of Rudy Gobert? They're interwoven very much, where Rudy creates so much defensive havoc in the lane by altering shots that a lot of times the, when the shot is missed, remember the Jazz are first in the NBA, Gordon, in overall rebounding. So they're connected defensively, so Rudy starts the fast break by most times, either him or Derek Favors or all the mid-sized guys get the rebound on the run. And then they're able to kick it out in transition, especially to a Joe Ingles, who's absolutely crafty with that ball in transition. And they're able to go from offense to defense or defense to offense based on what part of the floor it is and to flowing into it. And you always shoot back. The ball always finds you, Gordon, in the game when you have energy. And the Jazz are playing on both sides of the ball with, with energy, and that's why they're an unbelievable shooting team. But they certainly are a, a two-way team. What about in the half court, Gordy? 
Well, they have caught that. They rely on Donovan Mitchell's brilliance and Joe, Joe Ingles' savviness. Joe Ingles is one of the best players in the NBA, Gordon and Jake, as far as with ball skills. That guy has the ball on a broken play, and he probe dribbles, and he makes every – he makes every game a running life on a look-away uh, basket. He does it all the time, and the defense can't stop him. So they don't over-dribble. Now, previous years, the Jazz, unfortunately, sometimes would over-dribble. This year, absolutely, they dribble with a purpose. They, the ball pops on perimeter, and they go to Donovan Mitchell on a short clock or Joe Ingles to make plays out of nothing, and they responded. So the half-court offense is based on spacing, ball movement, craftiness, and shot making. And then the presence of, of Rudy Gobert in the middle makes it so uh, defenses have to honor him as opposed to always crowding shooters, right? Very much, yeah. That's a short corner spacing. What Gordon's yeah. alluding to is that when Rudy's in the baseline or Derek Favors, they become a, a short corner lob option. So when Joe has that ball on that, um, I'll call hop dribble, and he, and he penetrates, he's looking, he's, he's trying to free the defensive player, the big guy in the lane, that if he commits up to him, over the top lob to Rudy or Derek Favors, if he stays, then Joe takes that running extended layup with a very little, uh, very little uh, verticality, but a whole bunch of what horizontally. So, Coach, we're not sure if, if Kawhi Leonard's uh, going to play tonight, but I want to ask you a Kawhi Leonard question anyway. We uh, we all uh, saw him play at San Diego State, and and he was a great player there. There's no doubt about it. And there's some exciting showdowns, certainly, with BYU and Jimmer, and it was all fun to watch. And I don't think any of us were surprised that he was a first-round draft pick. But I don't know how many people would have predicted that he'd be a top five player in the league at some point, or if not for the majority of his career. Why was he able to take his game to the next level? What did he add that made that has turned him into the player he is today? He had a three point game, and he added a unbelievable, efficient uh, dribble series. So that he's one of the best guys in the NBA of organized dribbling, using his length and his uh, verticality to raise up with, say, in the middle game, between 16 and 17 feet, he can score against really anybody in the NBA. But what made him so versatile is that three-point shooting. So here's some quick numbers. He's shooting right now 38.9 from three, 51.3 field goal percentage, 87.9 from the, from the three-throw line, and he's averaging 26.7 points per game. And you get the feeling that his development all started with the Spurs. The Spurs and the Jazz and the Raptors, you can make that narrative do the best job in the NBA. You, you could debate it, one, two, or three, the last 10 years of developing players. Spurs, Jazz, and the Raptors. And again, who's one, two, or three? That's open to debate. And that Kawhi Leonard was born and raised as far as, uh, besides San Diego, but more importantly, professionally, in, in, uh, in, in, uh, in um, San Antonio. Then he goes to the Raptors for that one unbelievable year. Now he's back in uh, SoCal. The learning point about that is that he worked at his game, but the coaches around him really blossomed him. Gordy, I'm going to ask you an impossible question, but I'll go ahead and ask it anyway. You got three, three uh, choices. Uh, let me let me ask you to rank these. Okay, you're looking for the ideal NBA head coach, and you have these three characteristics. I want you to rank them in order of importance. Great motivator, great knowledge, generates respect from the players. 
I would go great communicator instead of motivator. So in this generation, you've got to be to communicate with the players. You cannot be the heavy. It doesn't work. It hardly ever worked, even back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. A lot of people thought it did work, but it really didn't. So I would go one as far as communication. Third would be, would be, third, third would be knowledge. Knowledge. So it's important to have knowledge, and the second one is what? Respect. Because you, they have to respect you, but they respect you more if you communicate with them of why they're not playing, and then a knockout punch is when your knowledge. And now all three intersect absolutely critically, but the ability to communicate. Remember now, uh, from a coaching standpoint, just like being a parent, you've got to talk in uh, uh, quick sound bites because this generation, all the people, because of social media, they really can't comprehend what you're saying. So it's irrelevant how much we know as coaches. Who cares? It doesn't matter one bit. It's the ability to articulate quickly and get out of it, let the player or the, or the team process it, and they'll be able to do it. But by the way, they respect you. And by the way, you respect me as a human being. Also, you respect my game. So, Coach, uh, winning 19-20, this is the first time a Jazz team has done this since 1997. Now, you were uh, on Jazz coaching staffs for a long, long time, back in the heyday, of course. Do you remember, or, or could you tell us what year or season, what was the best Jazz team that you coached? The 96-97 season. That's when the Jazz won 64 games. There was, a, there was that six-year window that we thought from um, – uh, 1994 to 2000, we thought, being the Jazz, we're going to be champions during that window. Unfortunately, we got we got to the NBA Finals twice, and we got to the Conference Finals uh, in '96, but we lost in Game Seven. So the 1996-97, the team was 64 and 18. The next year, the team won 62 games, and John Stockton missed the first 18 with an, with a, with a uh, with a knee injury, and so. The, the best team was 1996-97. Now, this team, I mentioned this question of Gordon and Jake off in the last few days. This is a great team by the Jazz. Because they, back, in, back in the 90s, in the Jazz, quote, heyday, the Jazz never had a guy like Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench. When you're averaging 18.2 points per game, the Jazz never had that luxury, ever. And that this makes the, this, this Jazz team as good, if not better, than the 1990s Jazz teams. We'll find out as it goes on right now. But the Jazz have all the makings to be champions. So that includes the obviously the postseason. You think? Uh, what's the difference between the regular season and the postseason, Gordy? A whole bunch of things. The first thing is that the defense kicks up Gordon three notches every round, and that you've got to be able to score through physicality. Because the refs let you play. Yes, they do. They're not going to admit it, but they do. And so the question is, so from the Jazz point of view, can the Jazz make uh, jump shots uh, through physicality on perimeter? Can Joe Ingles, when someone's hanging on his body, will say, uh, say it's LeBron James, just say the Jazz played the Lakers, whether it's second round or uh, in the conference finals, can, can Joe make jump shots with LeBron hanging on him? Can uh, Donovan Mitchell make jump shots with Patrick Beverly hanging on his shooting hip? Because his physicality, the, the flip side is, can, it, can Rudy and the, his sidekicks, Royce O'Neal, can they exert their will to make the other teams uh, miss shots? So the defense is absolutely fierce. And then also, unfortunately, there's always injuries. 
what happens, you have a wonderful season, including you win the first round of playoffs, you knock out the opponent in six games, suddenly one of your star players gets what? Got off a bit of sprained ankle or a torn ligament on their finger, and then everything changes then. So the ability where um, having quality depth, and that's what makes the Jazz so unique this year that you can make a narrative that Joe Ingles and Jordan Clarkson and Derek Favors, Gordon, would start in any other 50-win team in the NBA. Again, 50-win team, uh, Jordan, Derek, and Joe would start on that team. Coach, this is just kind of a general question. We've seen a bunch of the East's best teams come in and do these Western road swings. We Obviously, last week we saw the Bucks, uh, Philly, Boston, uh, Miami, and these teams are not faring well on these Western road swings. Is that an indication that the West is still playing a better brand of basketball? Oh, very much. Absolutely. For example, the Trailblazers, those guys could have caved in a million times this year already because of injuries. Their record right now is 17-10. and 10. If they're in the East right now, they would be the same record as the Sixers, who are 18-10. and 10. So the Trailblazers would be number one, type number one in the Eastern Conference. And the Trailblazers, none of it talks about them. Those guys are good. That Damon Lillard, former Weaver State uh, standout, he's leading his team to deepen the playoffs in their world because they're playing as a unit. So the Eastern teams, even though they're ultra-talented, the West got that swagger. The the West got a whole bunch of people, both inside and outside, that um, they were able to score the ball against most of the Eastern Conference teams. Also, the West, just generally speaking, it's a much more physical type of game, even in the regular season. The Eastern Conference is slightly more finesse. Again, slightly more finesse, with the exception being really the Toronto Raptors and the, and the Miami Heat. I know the Jets beat them the other day, the Miami Heat. But the Heat, the Heat does play good defense, and so do the Raptors. All right, Coach, I understand you have a list for us today. Yeah, this list today, Jake and Gordon, I've been thinking about Jordan Clarkson. That guy is an unbelievable player. That guy, please give me the hot sauce, will you, when he plays in the game. <laughs> All right, so this list today is the last – 12 years, so a dozen, the NBA Sixth Man of the Year winners. To be eligible, you've got to play off the bench in more games than starting. And the last point is this. Most of these players don't start games, but likely all finish games, which makes it so interesting. Here we go. 2009. Sixth Man of the Year winner, Jason Terry of the Mavericks. 2010. From the Hawks, Jamal Crawford. 2011, from the Lakers, Lamar Odom. 2012, from the Thunder, yes, James Harden off the bench. 2013, from the Knickerbockers, J.R. Smith. 2014, from the Clippers, Jamal Crawford. 2015, from the Raptors, he plays tonight in the game against the Clippers, against the Jazz, Lou Williams. 2016, from the Clippers, Jamal Crawford. 2017, from the Rockets, Eric Gordon. 2018, from the Clippers, Sweet Lou Williams. 2019, from the Clippers, for the third time, Sweet Lou Williams. And 2020, from the Clippers, Montrez Harrell, now on the Lakers. The Jazz had never had a player to be sixth man of the year 
in the, in the NBA, and this year it should be the odds-off favorite. It should be uh, Jordan Clarkson, and good for him, and good for his uh, teammates, and, and, and really it's good for, generally speaking, the good guys are, are being rewarded. How would you evaluate his performance this season versus some of those guys in past seasons? Well, the impact so much of winning. So the answer is, when you're a sixth man, it's, it's, most of these guys are all scorers. But it's when you get them. So a lot of times with Jordan Clarkson, the Jazz are struggling to score, and suddenly he comes alive and he takes over the games, both home and away. So he's right up there as far as the last 12 years of impacting winning because he it's just very similar to Lou Williams, that they get baskets in a, in a, in a, in a bushel where suddenly they, they're almost unstoppable with the guard, and most of all is that their floor mates give them the ball in time and in space, and that makes it even more encouraging. So he's right up there. The sixth man is absolutely a critical position where they come into the game, usually speaking, they change the tempo of the game by the scoring and by the velocity. Well, Coach, we always look forward to it when you have a chance to jump on the show. Thank you very much. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks, guys. Peace out. There you go. Our good friend, Coach Gordon Chiesa, with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jumps on with us usually about once a week, usually on Mondays, uh, but jumping on today instead. I was impressed by what he said uh, talking about this team relative to the great jazz teams of the 90s. And I got the impression that he was favorably impressed. Well, this team is very different from those teams, right? Uh, it almost felt like with the D-Will Boozer years, they were almost trying to duplicate it, right? This this team feels so much different, and and you know, I'm not trying to criticize the D. Will Boozer years. I mean, they still had Jerry Sloan and Kevin O'Connor. I mean, they were looking for people that fit well into what those coaches do, and I think these players fit well into what uh, what uh, these current coaches are doing. But um, yeah, I, well, there's a lot to be impressed by, Gordon. I mean, that's that's certainly the case. Like Coach said, almost right off the bat, they're really good at both offense and defense. Yeah, uh, obviously Jerry was coaching those two teams uh, that you were you said they were trying to duplicate, and this is a whole other thing. But I think Quinn has really gone through an evolution with this particular group as it has been built, and it's not the same team that it was three years ago. No, it's very different, in fact. Yeah. All right, let's jump out to the zone phone. Joining us now, our friend from Wasatch Medical Clinic. He is Andrew Reinhardt, helping out our listeners with a very common yet under-talked-about problem. What's up, Andrew? Yes, that's exactly right. This is not talked about enough. Some people disagree with that. They think we talk about it too much. But we, we think we should be talking about erectile dysfunction more and removing the stigmas of maybe embarrassment uh, because the technology we use at Wasatch Medical Clinic has helped so many guys, young and old, reverse ED, get off the pill, get off injections, um, rebuild their confidence. W what a huge aspect to this. Uh, this affects a man's sense of self-worth so much. If you're out there frustrated in the bedroom, uh, FDA-registered technology backed by 40 clinical studies showing we can open up and regrow blood vessels non-invasively and fairly quickly uh, this is a great alternative to the pill, and it can restore the spontaneity back. And talk about the process a little bit, Andrew. It's just a few treatments, right? Right. You come in. Uh, the technology is placed on the skin for about 10 minutes. It delivers gentle pressure waves through the skin into the blood vessels. 
uh, kind of like breaking down a muscle in the gym. We agitate them and build them up stronger. And you do a few. You're right. Over about two weeks, that's the typical protocol for the average guy. So think, you know, here we are in mid-February. By March, first part of March, you could be done with the pills and done with the erectile dysfunction. 801-901-8000. That's the number. Call. Get on the schedule. The doctor visit's free and a bunch of other stuff, right? A lot of stuff for free. Even if you don't do treatments, there's, there's a lot of value. Come in, get the assessment the blood flow ultrasound, the analysis with the doctor. He'll give you a little gift that produces instant results in the bedroom. Guys love that, by the way. And new patients get free testosterone. So if you know a little ambition in the bedroom, a little energy, we're going to take care of that for you as well. 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. All right, we'll have uh, Sounds Various Clips, also known as Drop of the Day, coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. If you missed yesterday's uh, sounds uh, uh, of various uh, clips, then you won't know exactly what we're talking about right now. But that is definitely appointment radio, isn't it? Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for Sounds of Various Clips, also known as Drop of the Day. We have multiple submissions today, Gordon. Oh, good. Okay. So this is going to be a battle of the stories. All right. Do you want to play Do you want to play judge and jury on this, Gordon? <laughs> sure. Why not? Okay. I have a submission, and Austin has a submission, and you get to decide which one you <laughs> like like better. Okay. All right, sounds good. You want to, just to take the bias out of this, do we want to, you can pick which one we hear first. Is that all right, Austin? Yeah, that's fine. All right. Who do you want to hear first, mine or Austin's? Let's hear Austin's first and then yours. Okay. Austin, mine you want to set this Mine requires a little setup. Okay. Yeah. So uh, this is a news report uh, where the police were called to a barbershop for a uh, what they deemed a suspicious uh, phone call as to the how this barber had been stabbed. And here's the uh, the customer talking to the reporter. He was walking around behind me, and then he slipped. I was like, oh, it's fine. And then I realized he's holding scissors, and there's blood on the floor. And he goes, oh, my God, I just stabbed myself. I think he fell right on the scissors. I think he was kind of in shock, so he got up really fast and pulled him out. From what I understand, like, if it was like an inch to the left or right, I mean, he would have been gone. They thought it was a stabbing. Guy gets stabbed in the center of the chest with his scissors, and, you, and the police come and you tell him, yeah, he fell on his scissors. The story is not believable, so I don't really blame them for thinking that. Wow. Okay. So, so, so the police thought, no, 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 no. This sounds like you guys stabbed play. him and are trying to get away with it. But really, he just slipped. And the guy thought he meant he slipped and cut his hair wrong. No, but he slipped <laughs> but he and stabbed, stabbed himself. himself. No, yeah. Isn't and that then what? just plucked him out of his chest like a hero. Oof. And he made it, by the way. He's fine. He's okay. So it was, there was no nefarious uh, he just activity slipped. here at all. They, they, actually, they did not believe the customers. They went to the videotape they and, thought the and saw this guy just fall on his scissors. Did he keep so, cutting the hair after he pulled the scissors out? That's a good out? question. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. No? No? You still no. want that fade there, Bob? <laughs> <laughs> you better be giving me a bigger tip. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sometimes, sometimes having uh, having some video uh, will help you, save you in that regard, right? So that's story one. That's story one. Okay. Right. Mine, mine is a little bit of a, a different 
uh, genre, I guess, so to speak, a different type of story. Uh, this comes from Columbus, Illinois, Gordon, where it's uh, like most of the country. It's a snowy mess. And the, this story is about how nobody's going out except for they find a guy. So here you go. Clear snow nearly as quickly as it falls in the Columbia Shopping Center. One of the people making a quick dash inside, truck driver Tom Cavins. My wife wanted uh, some corn dogs for dinner, so uh, left the car out of snow to grab some corn dogs for her. It's snow like this is nothing new to me, really. She just had space eaters. So the man risked life and limb? He dug his car out of the snow. Because his wife wanted some The, corn, the video, by the way, dogs. it looks like the end of the world. I think you can hardly see anything in this video because of how snowy hey, it is. when the missus wants a corn dog. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, you, you get going and get the missus a corn dog. Happy wife, happy life. That's right. Even if it's the end of your life. You dig that car right out of that snowbank and you'd get yourself down to that strip mall and get a couple of corn dogs. <laughs> hey... When you gotta have one, you gotta have one. That's what I'm saying. But he went down there. She did not. (laughs) Well, she's no fool. Was there any elaboration on why they didn't go together? Not that I saw. What do you mean, why they didn't go together? He said it right there. He said, she sent me out for corn dogs. I know. Why didn't she go with him? I don't so, know. Why, so, why don't you go with Lisa? It's it's the same reason why pilots don't fly with their spouses. Someone's <laughs> got to survive. Remember when you sent Lisa to the store for Hot Pockets? Why didn't you go? <laughs> That's a great question. That's not exactly how that happened. It is. No. She didn't, she didn't go specifically for Hot Pockets. But she did go to the store. That was uh-huh. a bad decision, yeah. by the way. <laughs> You, you picked up the, the elite flavor, the, the steak and cheese. Go with the pepperoni. Yeah. Well, that's the only one I had, too. I didn't follow it up. When was the last time you've been with Lisa to the store? Uh, it's been a little while. Been a minute? Yeah. Was Costco a thing the last time you went to the store with Lisa? <laughs> so, what, so how can you ask this? Why didn't this guy take his wife along? Well, it's just funny how that's not the way it works in my household. I don't sit back and say, hey, honey, go to the store. I want uh, some corn dogs. No. She she goes because she wants to go and she's she's going for the the benefit of all. And uh, I'm not saying, hey, honey, will you run on out to the, the grocery store? No, that's, we got it. That's, She's hunter and gatherer. She we just knows that you'd starve if she no, didn't do that. No, that just seems like a, like an unreasonable demand on the part of the wife. See, I'm with you there, Gordon, because I've got a theory as to why the wife didn't go with the husband. Why? If she's the type of person who looks out the window and says, "Yeah, you might die, but I'm you need to get me these <laughs> corn dogs stat." I don't think he wants her to go with him. I think he's like, "Woohoo! Twenty minutes out of this house." You think it's uh, do you think it's a murder by corn dog? I just think if you're the type of spouse who's sending your other your loved one out into possibly the worst snowstorm of the century for a corn dog, I don't blame that spouse for wanting that 20 minute trip without you. Maybe she wanted him dead. Oh, well there we go. Jeez. Next time on Mari. Coming to a lifetime this weekend. I don't know how to respond to that. She was trying to get him murdered by the snow. Who sends somebody out in the middle of a deathly snowstorm for corn dogs? Well, I'm suspicious of the motive. 
What's your motive when you send Lisa to the store? I don't send Lisa to the store. I just explained. That's not how it happens. Honey, I got to hanker in for some Hot Pockets. <laughs> That's not the way that happens. I know it's a blizzard out there, That's but so uh, no. Papa needs a little uh, steak and cheese. I don't think I would like being married to someone that would, uh, that you know, would be at your beck and call like that. You know, have a little respect. So who wins? I'll go with the corn dog. Yeah. Although I got to admit, both of them are quite unusual. <laughs> but the corn dog is wrong on so many levels. I'm All with right. you. That's the right choice. We'll get to some more big show coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All that works is to be You're locked on to The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Notice that uh, men at work and Huey Lewis sound very similar. Really? I, I hadn't really noticed. This that, song no. sounds like Huey Lewis, doesn't it? A little bit. Because of the saxophone bit. in it? I think his voice sounds like Huey Lewis. One's Australian. I'm not talking about their accent, Austin. I'm talking about with how well, they he sings with an accent. Myself. It's not the accent, it's the it's the sound of his voice. So if Huey Lewis sang with an Australian accent? They would sound like this, yeah. You're a crazy person. No. Plus, one's very talented and one's mediocre. And this one's well, the mediocre. mediocre. No, these guys were good. You don't like them, huh? No, I do. I, yeah, they're fine. And I think, uh, what's his name, Colin Hay? Is that the, yeah. the lead singer? I think mm-hmm. his solo stuff's better. Uh, but I love Huey Lewis and all of his stuff. Do you like yeah. Huey Lewis? Do you guys, yeah, I like you. No, it's from uh, American Psycho. Oh. So, do you uh, do you think that Joe Ingalls is a fan of like Minute Work because they're from down under? Is he a fan of Russell Crowe? Is he a fan of uh, of uh, Crocodile Dundee? I would guess not. No. I'm sure he loves those questions. Uh, I mean, <laughs> do, do you do put those... another shrimp on the barbie? Oh, I'm sure he just hates it. <laughs> yeah, but do Australia? Does he like Olivia Newton John? Uh, do Australians, you know, hang? does he like Vegemite? <laughs> Has he played a didgeridoo? See all the what am I the stereotypes? Like right. you know, cliche. I'm, I'm sure he doesn't no, like countrymen. Those, I don't countrymen. You you could argue that people that abandoned their home country abandoned. They didn't abandon. He's just working here. Not there. Yeah, but the NBA isn't there. Abandoned their own country. That's that's not cool. <laughs> Why? I just, uh, don't, Is don't Russell Crowe guys... making movies for some Australian production company? I don't think so. <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw a movie. I didn't watch it, but there's a movie on last night. Russell Crowe uh, about something going on in Australia. I, I just wonder whether Australia Produced by feel, Paramount. Feel national pride. That's all. Oh, I'm sure they're just tired of it. Like, I'm, hey, sure you... I'm sure he has national pride, but he doesn't want right. to ask, have you ask him if he puts a shrimp on the barbie. And like, how many no, times know does that. he have to go to a restaurant where somebody says, that's not a knife. <laughs> this is a knife. I mean, I'm sure he wants to take that knife and... and... <laughs> 
Andrew. He picks up his Do you like right. Outback Steakhouse? <laughs> Do you prefer the Bloomin' Onion? <laughs> Look, the shrimp on the Barbie. No kidding. Uh, that's insulting. But And a Foster's, maybe. <laughs> but but the, the other stuff is about people. Do you think he takes pride? Is he rude for his countrymen? Nobody takes women. pride in Russell Crowe, no. first of all. <laughs> what are you talking and about? He's been in, he was in two of the greatest movies ever. And that was it. And the minute Olivia Newton-John made Grease, she was no longer an Australian. What, are you, what are you talking about? What do you mean, What's, what am I talking about? What does that mean? That's an American, like, culture Americana kind of thing. Yeah, but she's still Australian. Yeah. Aren't you the guy, Gordon, that said Joe Ingalls was sounding too Australian a few weeks ago? I never said he sounded too Australian. I just said he sounded very Australian. No. It's, it's saved. <laughs> I, no, I didn't. The, the, I didn't say Gordon did thinks Joe sounds too Australian. No, well, I, yeah, but I didn't mean it with a negative connotation. I wasn't a sign. You said he was faking the accent. <laughs> you said this. I did not. Yes, you did. I, I did? I don't think so. Oh. I don't think so. Gordon, but I've been wrong. I've been wrong today. So who knows? <laughs> uh, I, I, if I were him, I would be rooting for my countrymen. I think a little bit in women. I, I would take pride in the fact that you know. There's plenty of famous Americans I would never cheer for. Oh, that's true. Yeah, but it's different. They're Australians. It's not different know? though. <laughs> it's not different at all, actually. What Australians do you think he would root for? I have no idea, Gordon, but just because they're who from are the, the same who are country. The good, who are the good guys? Who, who are the guys that you, I mean, obviously you just crossed Russell Crowe off the list. By Big the way, time. is he from Australia or from New Zealand? I forget. I think Australia, but I bet they both don't claim him. <laughs> they're both like he's from Boise. <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's a great actor in some of his he's movies. He's not. Uh, okay, so how about Olivia? Pass. Huh? How about Pat Cash? <laughs> Don't know who that is. <laughs> was he a tennis player? Never heard it. Pat Cash? Sounds like uh. a game show host. <laughs> Hi, I'm Pat Cash. Let's spin that wheel. Uh, yeah, he is who, a tennis player. Uh, come on. A retired who else? Who else? The Hemsworths. <laughs> Are they Australian? Uh-huh. Uh, okay. Any others? Keith Urban. Keith Nicole Urban's Kidman. from Australia? Oh, Nicole Kidman is, but Keith Urban's uh, American, isn't he? No, he's Australian. Are you kidding? You nope. think you would know that. You've toured with the guy. I have not. Keith Urban is an American? I mean, he might American. have citizenship. He might be an American, but he is from Australia. Oh, wow. I did not know that. All right. Well, do you think Joe Ingalls is now climbing up that, that uh, status ladder there in Australia? Keith is Urban a- is from New Zealand. Oh, my bad. He's a Keith. Kiwi. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think Australians care much about basketball. Oh, that's not true. They 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 have their pocket of fans or whatever, but I no, don't know. I, I think it's the second most popular sport there outside of rugby. <laughs> no, I'm not, cr- I'm not kidding. Cricket's huge down In there. In Australia? Yeah. Cricket? I, I, I think basketball's really, really popular in Australia. So if you're walking next to Joe and walking through the airport down there and Sydney or somewhere, you think people would come running up to say hi or meet him? Maybe so. Isn't it the NBL there in Australia? Yeah. 
All right, so here's here we go. The three most popular sports in Australia are cricket, which is the national huh. sport, Australian football, popular in southern and western states, and rugby league, popular on the east coast. Australian football and rugby are different. They are. How different? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, different. they're quite a bit different. Oh. Yeah. Where's basketball on the list? Uh, not on it, uh, at least. But that but right that here. list isn't in order, is it? No, you said know. those are the top three. Top three. It just seems like you know people people would think that about baseball in America, but baseball is not the most popular sport here. It's a national pastime, though. Well, I don't know. Glenn, that's I'd... still a big deal. It's still a big deal. I think Joe would be fairly well known down there. Although that's a good question: Is Joe or Renee more renowned in Australia? Maybe netball's bigger. And she played down there her whole career. I'd say basketball, but that's just a guess. What about Ben Simmons? What a hack. Seriously. Takes two seasons to win Rookie of the Year. Huh. Couldn't We're hold on to Kendall Jenner either. Who are some of the other famous Australians? Mel Gibson. No, Mel he Gibson? is not. Yeah. Yes, yeah, he is. Yeah. He's Australian. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that. I thought he was just racist. Sorry, that was a joke. But not really. Just Australian. Anywho, the warehouse, that's where we're going to be on Friday from 2 to 6, 86 East University Parkway in Orem. Prices so low, it'll blow your mind. It's the warehouse. Um, Gordon, uh, Mike Conley's questionable tonight. Um, if he plays or if he doesn't, you think it'll have an impact? Uh, yeah, but I, you know, when we talked to Locke about this, I, I think that they will limit his minutes. So I don't know how much. That would be really weird, wouldn't it? I mean, I know he's he's probably moving around on the practice court and whatnot, but not having played for so long and then you're playing again, I wonder how long it takes to get acclimated. Well, getting back into game shape, because with a hammy, I'm sure he's not, you know, out there running 10 miles a day, right? Yeah. So I'm, yeah. <clears throat> I'm sure it takes a little bit to get back into NBA it, playing shape. But, I mean, it's, no, tri- no. it's tricky business. It's a good question because uh, with the way the Jazz are playing now, with him cheering from the court side, is has been very impressive. So, you know, they're a better team. They're a better team with Conley in the lineup for sure. But uh, I'm not sure that they could play a whole lot better with him there. I would guess Joe starts either way tonight. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whether he's available or not, I, I would guess that he starts, but we'll see. Yeah, agreed. But don't uh, you know? Don't take it too far with those hamstrings. I mean, I, I sound like a broken record on this, but you want Mike 100 percent at the end of the year. Yes, I agree. You don't want him to re-aggravate it. But this isn't this one of the injuries he had a year ago. Different leg, but yeah. Ah. Uh. Okay. So, so it's not like he re-aggravated, but dealing with a similar problem. Is there a way you can prevent hammies? <laughs> Is there something you can do? Is there something he can add to his routine that would help, uh, you know, shield against this kind of thing? More, more Brussels sprouts. We, we got an open mic the other day about this, and really? I just rolled my eyes and said, "Ah, that's never going to come up." And I should have saved it. Mm. But you someone need to claimed drink you more water. You so, need more electrolytes or something. What do you? Somebody claimed that if you add oatmeal to the massage lotions that they use, that it'll help the help the hamstring. What what would what does the oatmeal do? I don't know. That's just what they claimed. Nothing is the answer. There. I'm not a doctor, and I've never stayed in a Holiday Inn. So, do they uh, add oatmeal to so- soap? I think they do, don't they? I don't know. Is that maybe it seems like that would only go skin deep, though. <laughs> I don't. 
<laughs> Let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us <laughs> quick, now quick. from from Wasatch Medical Clinic, he's our friend Andrew Reinhardt. And Andrew, you guys hey. don't use oatmeal in any of your treatments, do you? <laughs> Not that I know oatmeal as far as I know. Okay. All right. Just checking. Quaker Oats, check it in there. It's a, it's a miracle drug, I'm told. So, I, you know. Uh, let's talk about actually solving a medical problem here, Andrew. A lot of people out there dealing with ED. Yeah, that's right. They're dealing with ED. It is a medical problem. Um, we sometimes think we're less of a man. I've got ED. You know, it kind of damages my ego is our thought. And I don't think that's the case. I think this can happen to anybody. I promise you this, you are more normal than you think. We've treated thousands of men. Wasatch Medical Clinic uses an FDA registered, backed by Cambridge University technology. It's called acoustic wave therapy. And just think that if we expanded the blood vessels in this part of the body by 50%, what that would do to life in the bedroom, restore blood flow, restore circulation, don't forget, ED is a blood flow problem. You don't need to take a pill. We can get you back to your younger years in the bedroom now. You know, you've said this a bunch of times, Andrew, but you're right on the money. I mean, the pill has been here with us for a long time. What, 30 years, over 30 years? And there has been little advancement since then. That's why this is amazing. This is the advancement. It is. Uh, in the 1950s, this technology was used on other parts of the body. Plantar fasciitis or neuropathy on your legs for blood flow. And Somewhere along the line, they thought, let's let's do it for ED. Um, it needed an advancement. Pills for 30 years? Um, this has helped so many guys because they don't have to take the pill. They don't have to use injections. It's blood flow, and I believe the pill may someday be a thing of the past. 801-901-8000. That's the number to call, 801-901-8000. Make the pill a part of your past as well. You can come in and see the doctor, and uh, you guys are doing a lot of extra these days. A lot of extra, and it's the last spot of the night, so call us now. Put a stop to the ED. Get the intimacy back on track. You're going to meet with our doctor for free, a consultation, an exam. He'll give you a little gift that produces instant results in the bedroom, and you can take all the free and leave and never see us again if you wanted, but take advantage of that and at least see the, if this could change your life. Give us a call. It's all no charge. 801-901-8000, 801-901-8000. Andrew, thanks for joining us as always. We appreciate you. Really appreciate you guys. Thanks so much. Thanks, Andrew. 801-901-8000. We'll have more next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Wrapping up a big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We've got Jazz Game Night pregame show coming up right around the corner, getting you ready for the Jazz and the Clippers. Game one of two games against the Clippers, both starting at uh, 8 o'clock. So a little bit later uh, tip tonight, Gordon, have a have a Diet Coke or something. Get yourself through this thing. Yeah, uh, you too, or three or four of them. Uh, yeah, I'm interested in seeing how this game turns out. I mean, I we don't. We we don't know how it's going to go, uh, uh, but uh, I, I'm curious to uh, to find out whether the Jazz can keep this consistency going that has been so prevalent over the past month. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason to to really doubt it at this point. Not saying that the Jazz will never lose a game again, but I mean, I honestly, we'll, we'll think about it this way, Gordon. Well, what was it? A week ago, a week and a half ago, where we looked at this six game stretch, right? The four home games and the two against the Clippers. And you and I agreed, and I thought we were setting a high bar 
that they, if they could go four and two in those six games, that would be a win. Three yeah. out of four at home and split the, the games uh, uh, on the road with the Clippers. Well, they've already they've already met our expectations. So I yeah. mean, at what point do we do we expect this to slow down? I mean, this just isn't a normal this isn't a normal run. It's like you said, they're going to lose somewhere along the way. Although I think it would be quite a bitter disappointment for the Jazz to drop both of these games. Uh, but we're to the point now. Remember when you used to sit down to watch a jazz game? And, you know, I mean, you weren't sure exactly what you were going to get. Nowadays, if the jazz don't go out and, and pl- find some combination of playing well at both ends, or especially well at one end, you're surprised. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's gotten to the <laughs> – and that's that's rarefied air. So I, I think, I, you know, I think the jazz keep it rolling. I don't, you know <laughs> – Maybe that's not the realistic, most realistic take in the world, but I mean, you beat those four teams at home four games in a row, including a back-to-back, and playing three games in four nights. <laughs> you, it, you'd have to be foolish to pick them to lose at this point. Yeah, and look, their record on the road is almost as good. So, yeah. no road home just doesn't meet anything in this season. I'm convinced more and more. Oh, the Jazz four thousand fans are louder than most, I would guess, but. You know, the Jazz like, are right now are second in the league in attendance. I'm surprised they're not first, to be honest. Well, that's what it said at uh, the website I looked at. I don't know who would be first. I have no idea. Because right now, I think the little under 4,000 fans they're letting into the stadium is, I think, the most in the league. I'd have to go back and double check. But I still think there are only like 10 teams allowing week fans, so... Just hope everyone continues to stay safe out there, you know. But it is, this is, what we're seeing out of the Jazz right now is memorable. This is so very uncommon. And so it's, you you want to see them, want to see if they can keep this up. Because who knows what, I imagine there's going to be 72 games, right? That's the plan anyway, right? Are they going to make up the the lost game to the Wizards? Uh, I would guess so, yeah, because, well, they have to get north of 70 games played to get that local TV money. So, I mean, they they the plan was to go 72, right? So I would guess that they'll schedule a, 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 a make-up game. Well, we'll see. That, that could be another Jazz win. But really, I mean, I think Quinn isn't even thinking about those kinds of things. I think he literally and, 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 and just has such a focus on – improving game by game by game. And, yeah, you're going to slip and slide a little bit along the way, but he knows that the regular season is about preparation for the postseason, and he wants them to be in peak form when that time comes around. So we'll see if they can keep it going. Jazz Game Night pregame show coming up next. Gordon, have a great evening. You too, Jake. Thank you. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.